Welcome to the end of religious Christianity. If you're truly born again, you've got the joy of the Lord inside of your spirit. You've got power inside of your spirit. My gift from God is to move you into your spirit, man, where God is, where you know all things, where things present and things to come are yours. Come with me into the kingdom of God. Okay, guys, first up, my first assumption, and this is an absolute truth. It's taught by Dr. Miles Munro, and it's all throughout the Bible, and it's clearly smack bang obvious in your face, but you probably don't really believe it. But number one, my number one assumption, that this is an assumption that you know. I'm assuming that you know this. It's This is an absolute truth. The only thing in life that satisfies is the kingdom of God. I know that's profound, but ministry won't satisfy, family won't satisfy, sex, drugs, and rock and roll won't satisfy. Obviously, we know the flesh doesn't satisfy because even if you gain the whole world and forfeit your soul, what does it benefit you? But Jesus Christ said to seek first the kingdom of God. Isaiah 9 says that the government will be on his shoulders. So he said it's the pearl of great price that you should sell everything to buy it. When you seek first the kingdom, all else is added to you as well. Jesus said, if you leave fathers and mothers and wives and fields for my sake, so you are leaving everything. It's not seeking first the kingdom and second family. It's, it is seeking only the kingdom of God. And that is a really big step for most Christians. As I said in the introduction, there are many false doctrines, but I know Paul said that his gospel is Jesus Christ crucified. Yes, let's keep that in the center. Without Jesus, without the crucifixion, there's nothing. And and we are just fools. But the gospel that Jesus preached, have a look at what Jesus preached. He preached, repent, for the kingdom has arrived. He was announcing a kingdom. It's this kingdom that we are to seek. It's this kingdom that we are to understand, according to the parable of the sower. It's this kingdom that we are to preach. Did you notice that Jesus did not send his disciples to preach salvation? He didn't send them to preach Jesus. He didn't send them to preach synagogue. That's right. When he sent out the two by two, when he sent out the 70, when he sent out the 72, what did he tell them to say? Well, it's actually what he told them to do. He said, go and heal the sick, raise the dead and tell them the kingdom has arrived. So again, the message of Jesus, the message of the disciples, the reason we are salt and light on the earth is to proclaim a kingdom a kingdom. A kingdom is a government. A kingdom is not a, it is not a democracy. It is not a church. It is not a religion. In fact, religion is the opposite of kingdom. There is nothing more extremely opposite than religion and kingdom. They are diametrically opposed. In a king, the king is born. In a religion, they're elected, they're groomed. In a kingdom, the laws are the words of the king. 
In a religion, the laws change with the times. They're interpreted. There are so many differences. Even in democracy, we vote our leader in in democracy. These things are fascinating and you can read my book, God Men, Copies of God, making a copy of heaven on earth, which is what Jesus said to do. He said, you go as the Father sent me, I send you. He said, pray that heaven and earth would be one. He said, pray your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So we are in this incredible opportunity. And the only thing that can satisfy you and I is kingdom. Inside of the kingdom is salvation. Inside of the kingdom is everything you need because because it's a country. It's a government. There's health care in this kingdom. It's called healing. There's provision. There's an there's a economy in the kingdom. It's called provision. It's called the riches in glory in Christ Jesus. In the kingdom of God, we know all things. We need no one to teach us because we have the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, joy, in the Holy Spirit. So you and I, we are satisfied by the kingdom. Jesus said it's the Father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. Jesus spent 40 days explaining the kingdom to the disciples in the book of Acts. He explained the kingdom to the disciples on the road to Emmaus. Every parable was only about the kingdom. There's no parable about the lost coin. There's no parable about the the lost son. There's the parable of the kingdom and the parable of the kingdom and the parable of the kingdom. The kingdom is like a lost coin. The kingdom is like a landowner. The kingdom is like the kingdom is like. So will you come into the kingdom today? I feel like saying, you know, stop preaching, you know, come to church, visit my church, build the church, you know, that whole sort of, you know, church, you know. Yes, you and I are are the church, but the church is the pillar and the ground of the truth. So my first assumption, and it's, this is an absolute truth, but and most Christians don't know it, but my assumption is that you know it. This truth isn't the assumption. The assumption is that you know this. I assume these five assumptions that you know them, only the kingdom will satisfy. When you give up everything, when you lose your life, you find it. So when you decide, and it's a decision in your mind, will, and emotions daily, when you decide you are going to only seek first the kingdom, not buying a house, not that holiday, nothing, just the kingdom, you will be truly satisfied. Even an encounter with God doesn't permanently satisfy. How many of us have fallen over in church or had an incredible experience with God And then the next day, you have all of the same problems. The next day, you don't feel so good anymore. It wears out. So yes, the angels rejoice when someone is saved. And of course, I would lead anybody to Christ. But truly, you will be satisfied. You can be in prison rejoicing when you're seeking first the kingdom. When you have the kingdom, you can be persecuted, you can be judged, you can be isolated, you can be shipwrecked, you can be alone, or you can be an order of the British Empire flying around in your own private jet like the late Dr. Miles Monroe. It doesn't matter. God will put a ring on your finger. God will wash your robes in his own blood.
and say, you are mine? And he said in Revelation chapter 3, this is a fact. He said, you will sit on my throne. That is where you already are. He said, if you overcome, but you're already, there's no, come on, come on, guys. He, he's gone into your future. He's gone into your past. He's, he's speaking to you from the end and the beginning at the same time. Jesus Christ was slain before the foundations of the world. And we're going to look back and realize that this whole thing was just an, almost like an illusion. It's like a hologram compared to what is going to be revealed in us, compared to eternity in God in our imperishable body. So my first assumption, and please study this, please. Make, the best thing you can do in your life for the next thousand generations in your family, the best thing you can do is make a decision today, right now, and reaffirm the decision that I will seek first the kingdom of God above all else. In fact, I exchange everything for the kingdom. Really, that's what Jesus preached. It's exchanging everything for the kingdom alone. If you get keys to the kingdom, that's all you need. He said, do not rejoice that the demons submit to you, but rejoice for your name is written in heaven. In other words, you have heaven. Who cares about anything else? That is the one thing. That is the one thing that satisfies. When Jesus said to ask and to seek and to knock, he wasn't talking about Things for crying out loud. He, we're not meant to ask for things and knock and seek. He said to ask for the kingdom. He's talking about the kingdom because he just said, don't worry about what you need. Don't worry because your father knows that you need them. There's no bird that wakes up and prays for seed. They just go and eat it. So when he was saying, knock and the door be answered, seek and you shall find, he's he's beckoning you to ask, knock, and seek for the kingdom of God. He was only ever talking about the kingdom of God, and you should definitely go back and read the Gospels again in the Passion Translation, which is the street language of Jesus, the Aramaic. Read them again and look at it. The only thing he's talking about is the kingdom of God, and make a decision today that you will burn your life down to the ground and for just to have and exchange that for the kingdom of God, that you would there'd be nothing else. Nothing, there is no second line on your list. It doesn't, I still go to work. I still have children. I, I, I still, but, but I'm, everything I do is in the spirit. I'm at a job because God told me to stay in that job. I'm not at a job that I would prefer to be in. I'm not driving a car that I would prefer to drive in, but I'm doing the will of the Father. So that's my first assumption. Very important. Do it. Number two, my second assumption that that you know is that the kingdom is power, 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 power. If I had to describe the kingdom in one word, it's power. Remember, it is the power of the Spirit that rose Jesus Christ from the dead. Jesus Christ, if he did anything at all, he showed us power. He rose from the dead. He walked on the water. He turned the bread into a multiplication. He turned the water into wine. So the number two assumption is that you would know 
that the kingdom is all about power. Paul said that I did not come with wise sounding words, but with demonstration of the Holy Spirit and power. So it's when you raise somebody from the dead. It's when you hear from God and touch somebody's life from the other realm. It's when you speak with authority. It's when God answers your prayers and your joy is full that you can you are showing people there is another kingdom realm. This is so important because there are two kingdoms on the earth at this time. The moment that Jesus was born, there was only one kingdom on the earth. Mankind lost the kingdom of God. Mankind lost earth. We lost the whole earth and the devil became the landowner. The Bible says that we are a slave to whom we obey. So the moment Adam and Eve obeyed the devil in the garden, we became slaves of the devil. Jesus said to the Pharisees, your father is the devil. Ephesians clearly says in chapter 2 that we were, and everyone who doesn't know Christ, everyone on earth is a slave of the devil. It says you were under the total control of the devil. It's in Ephesians chapter 2. Jesus said the whole world is under the sway of the evil one. He said the prince of the power of the air. So there are two kingdoms. When Jesus came to earth, suddenly as a baby, there was another kingdom. From No wonder Herod tried to take him out. No wonder the devil tried to take him out because it was a threat. And let me tell you, you are only a threat to the devil when you start to preach kingdom because only the kingdom of God can displace the kingdom of darkness. You were transferred from darkness to light according to Colossians. That's a kingdom. So... At the moment, so the second assumption is power. So the kingdom of God is violently being taken by force. The kingdom of God is taking out the kingdom of darkness and it will win. There is no doubt about it because the kingdom begins as a seed. The kingdom begins as yeast. The kingdom takes over. It started off in my heart in that high school, but it's taken over. I've led people to Christ. I've, I've started businesses and churches and, and, and blessed countless people, told countless people about the kingdom of God. So that seed that was sown in my heart has gone at least 100 times. And in those people, it's at least 100 times. There would be 1 billion born-again Christians on the earth today, and it's growing because the knowledge of the glory of God will cover the earth. The glory of God is man filled with the Holy Spirit. He is taking over. He is bent on conquest. Jesus Christ destroyed the works of the devil. So the kingdom of God uses power, power to destroy the works of the devil. So what are the works of the devil? Everything that is out of order, everything that is at loss. You've got to go back to the Garden of Eden and have a look. Man never died. Man lived in relationship with God. Man and God were a partnership. Heaven and earth were the same. Whether you are ready to accept it or not, that is the only pattern the Bible ever explains. 
In the book of Revelation, heaven and earth become one. In the book of Genesis, heaven and earth are together because God is walking in the cool of the day and there was never meant to be a separation. Heaven needs to be stitched back together, one prayer at a time. Why do you think Paul calls the church a pillar? Because we connect heaven to earth. I said, why does Paul call the church a pillar? Because we connect heaven to earth. In the same way that a pillar connects a roof to a floor. He even says, you are the pillar and the grounding of the truth. So we, as a pillar, connect the true reality of heaven and we plant it on the earth. So when you speak... When you lay hands, everything you do is planting heaven. Oh, that I would rend the heavens. Oh, that I would plant the heavens, God says. If I only had a man in Isaiah, I need a man. I need a man. Where is there a man to tend my garden? Genesis chapter 2, it says the rain did not come. It says the waters did not come to the garden until God found a man. So Jesus was healing the sick raising the dead, solving problems, power, power, power. At the end of the day, people want power. People follow Jesus, he said, because he gave them bread. The reason you want a million dollars is because you want power. The reason you want 100,000 YouTube followers is because you want power. And God wants to give you that power. Because power is the ability to change your circumstances. If Jesus did anything, he changed people's circumstances. He went to a wedding and solved a problem. The problem was they ran out of wine. He went to a funeral and solved the problem. The problem was someone died. He went to a fig tree and he cursed it. He went you know, into the wilderness and he made food for thousands of people. He solved a problem. You know, why? no wonder Elon Musk is rich. He's solving a problem. He solved the PayPal problem. He, you know, buying online was a big problem in the 90s. Not so much anymore. So he got out of it. Electric cars was a big problem. Not so much anymore. So We are here in the image of our Father God to solve problems. He has given you the power. He wants you to take it. And this is where religion comes in. Religion is a form of godliness that denies its power. So when you go to church and someone dies and they're like, oh, you know, I don't really know what happened, you know, like there's no no excuse I'm just saying I'm not I'm just saying that we need to believe God. We need to demonstrate power. We don't give up if our prayers don't seem to get answered. Jesus didn't go and raise John the Baptist from the dead. He didn't go and visit him in prison as far as we know, but he did go and heal and raise Lazarus from the dead. So you and I are not free agents in the kingdom. We are under God. We can only do what we see the Father doing. But listen, he has given you power. When he asks you to do something, you are loaded. If he asks you to start a business, it is not going to fail. If he asks you to lay hands on the sick, they will recover. You know, you, you just have to do what the Father's doing and you have to do it in faith. 
He's already given us the kingdom. He's given us the Holy Spirit. He's given us the name of Jesus. He's given us the blood of Jesus. He's given us the kingdom of God. He's given us the keys to the kingdom. He's given us all authority. He's seated us in heavenly places far above all rule. So what's the problem? The problem is you and me. We get in the way. It's our soul that we have the trouble in. It's our mind, will, and emotions that need to be renewed by the washing of the water of the word. And that leads us into the third assumption is that you must die. The first assumption is that you will never be satisfied by anything in life other than the kingdom of God. Money won't satisfy. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll won't satisfy. Ministry won't satisfy. Even touches from God, they won't last. The only thing that will satisfy you is the kingdom. Number two is that the kingdom is power. The kingdom is your ability to solve problems for God. And he has given you everything you need for life and godliness. There is no problem that you will ever face that you cannot demolish in the name of Jesus. You have absolute power. The Roman Empire crucified Jesus and within 300 years, the Roman Empire became Christian. Isn't that amazing? There is no limit. If you will believe God, he will move the mountains. Don't worry about solving all of the problems in the world. Just do what the Father's doing. If he says, just go to work today and love people, then do that in the power of the Spirit. If he says to, you know, go... Pray for that sick person. When you go and pray, know that all of heaven is behind you and believe that they will be healed. Is Just as you do what the Father's doing, as you hear what the Father's saying and say it, as you see what he's doing and do it, the kingdom has come and it's only those things that are fruit. Those are the things you'll be, you will be rewarded for nothing other than the things that you do that you saw the Father doing. Because that's in the spirit. Any ministry you do, any business you do that's just in your own strength, it's worth nothing. In fact, Jesus said when we do everything he commanded that we should say that we are not worthy. We are not worthy. So, first assumption, kingdom satisfies. Second assumption, power. The kingdom is power. And you and I have to use our power You have been authorized. He said, I give you the power of God. I give you the name of Jesus. You you know, lay hand. He said, you will tread on snakes and scorpions. In other words, go and solve problems and I will back you up. But it's only as you go that he backs you up. It's not wait. It doesn't work if you wait for God to do it. He can't do it. He's gone. He's gone to heaven. He's seated with the Father. He's sent us. Jesus said, as the Father sent me, duh, yeah, so am I sending you. So just know that as you walk on the water, it will go hard under your feet, and it will. The third assumption is that you and I need to die. We must die. We must get out of the way. We are the problem. The problem is not with God. He has done everything. He has forgiven you for your sins. He has given you a new name. He has washed your sins away. He has given you a clean robe. 
He has removed the burden. He's broken the chain. The power of death is broken. The power of sin is broken. You no longer are a slave of sin, but you're a slave of righteousness. He's given you the mind of Christ. He's given you the anointing from the Father that teaches you, and you know all things. He's given you the church. There's nothing you don't have. So the problem is with you. It is in between your ears. The Bible and Jesus teach us to die to ourselves. It is only when you die to yourself that you live. It is the narrow way. So the answer for the kingdom life, for abundant life, is for you to die. This is really important. The Bible says that we were once slaves in our mind, in the lusts of our mind. So this is the second heaven. This is where the devil operates. So when you wake up in the morning, you don't feel like praying. That is not what your spirit man wants to do. When you wake up in the morning, your spirit man is a flame of fire. When you wake up in the morning, your spirit is ready to take over the world. So your body might not be. You might wake up with a cold or a headache or you might wake up with a huge to-do list. So the problem is in your soul. That's why Paul says that he beats his body daily, lest he be disqualified. The problem is in your flesh. That's why we fast. That's why we pray. Every day you have to overcome your flesh. Every day you have to die. We die daily, the Bible says. So this is the third assumption is that you know that you have to die. Every day you have to die. Every day you have to put off the old man and put on the new man. Every day you have to choose the way, the truth, and the life, the narrow road. Every day you lose your life to find it. You give to receive. Every day you read the Bible because it's the washing of the water of the word that renews your mind. So your soul is being transformed into Jesus so that your will is the will of Jesus. Your emotions are the emotions of Jesus and your mind is the mind of Jesus. The only way to do this that I know is to pray in the Spirit because the Bible says as you pray in the Spirit, you're praying mysteries and you are edifying your own spirit. And I found that this is the best way to do it. The fourth assumption is... The assumption that that the church is is changing. I assume that you have noticed that there is a lukewarm church at the moment. That there there is a spirit of antichrist that is taking over the whole world. It's the spirit of lawlessness, where we're finding that you know homosexuality is okay where there are gay priests. Now, this is the great apostasy. Paul said that the Antichrist will not come until there is the great falling away. But the word he used is apostasy, which, which literally means to walk away from absolute truth. We have seen this. Look, Paul had the same problem 2,000 years ago, and it's, it's still there. But what it, what it means is, if you are in a church where there is a form of godliness that denies its power, if you're in a church that they don't know what a sin is, then you should run for your life. Jesus said, I give you authority to forgive sins. 
any sin you forgive is forgiven, any sin you retain is retained. Well, how can you not know what a sin is? How can you be a Christian and say, I don't know, it's only God to judge? That is not true. The Bible says the spiritual man judges all things. Paul said it is our responsibility to judge those in the church. I'm not talking about homosexuals in the world. God loves them. I've been to friends' birthday parties who were gay. I I went to a lesbian party uh, in 2001 and, uh, you know, the the men's toilets had had a you know had like a they weren't there you know it it was like it was just such a, a an a, an anti man sort of vibe and all the other women were like looking at me like I was some terrorist um, but I I loved that girl and she was my friend and I prayed for her and and we were friends for years but but she was gay and 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 we were friends and that was fine but that. But that's different to a Christian who doesn't know who they are and who tells other people that it's okay to be uh, gay and Christian. And I don't care what you say. You, the Bible is clear. You can go to church and and you can and believe, you know believe in God. Even the devil believes in God. But you cannot inherit the kingdom of God and practice lawlessness. The Bible is absolutely clear. There are sheep and there are goats. There are wolves and there are sheep. There are weeds and there is wheat. Jesus said, at the end of the age, I will separate the good from the bad. The bad will be thrown in the fire. He said, I will send out the angels. He said, let the wheat and the weeds grow together. So that's the moment we're in now where God is allowing the wheat and the weeds to grow together. That's why you might say, well, how did that person fall away? That worship leader, that pastor, he was so amazing and he fell away. Well, because we don't know. We don't know yet. But we will all stand before God on that day and we will be shocked because he calls us to repent. And this is the problem with the whole homosexual thing at the moment. And I am going to go on about it because it is... It is wrong and it is a sin. It is a sin to be gay. It, God, there is no homosexual, you know, other than those who choose to be. Okay? Now, I'm not saying they don't, I'm not even going to go into it. The Bible would not prohibit something that is not a choice. The Bible does not say that birds are an abomination. The Bible doesn't say that, that you know, Men or women are an abomination. No, it would never do that because God made them. But the Bible says that homosexuality is an abomination and it is against nature. I'm not going to go into it, but what I'm trying to say to you is that you can be gay and Christian. You can sin and go to church, but you are not going to inherit the kingdom of God on that last day you will realize that God expected us to change. He said, repent. So there's this whole idea in the church that, you know, oh, well, God understands, you know, God's patient and God's kind. Yes, but he's also holy and his throne is built on justice and, 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 and righteousness and God will not be mocked. And those who didn't believe in 
the desert, they fell. Those who disobeyed angels died. How much worse, the Bible says in Hebrews, will those who disobey the Son of God be punished? So if you think you're gay, you're not. That's the good news. You may be attracted to the same gender. You may have physical experiences that confirm that. Flipping heck, I've had many physical experiences that confirmed a lie. I remember not sleeping at night and I remember doctors not knowing what to do and Valium and all of the medications helped me none. And then God said, just stop it. He said, you will sleep when you think about me. And you know what happened? I slept. (laughs) I caught up on so much sleep. It's amazing. With no medication, with no weighted blanket. Now, I could have told you that, no, 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 this is, you know, the doctors have said this is what I have, but I didn't have it. I didn't have it. And so what I'm saying to you is there is a spirit of Antichrist. There is a spirit of cancer. There is a spirit of anxiety. There is a spirit of homosexuality, of lust. And those spirits will confirm the lie. You will feel gay. You will Get a wobbly knee when you see someone of the same sex, but don't agree with it. It's a lie. The devil is the father of lies. God loves you and accepts you, and your sexuality is hetero. (laughs) It doesn't matter. So you might think gay, feel gay, want to be gay biologically, physically, mentally, but you are not because God would never call you to repent. And that's the last thing, is that God expects us to change. You know, oh, but Jesus is a nice person. Have you met him? (laughs) Have you read the Bible? He said, I came not to bring peace, but a sword. He said, you know, he said, I came to turn mothers and fa- mothers, mothers against fathers, fa- fathers against daughters. Your own household will be your enemies, he said. He said, if you don't drink my blood and eat my flesh, you have nothing to do with me. He said, if you come and follow me and then turn away, then you're not worthy of me. He said, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my father. He was a very, very strong king. He's a king. So he's not going to change for you. He's going to love you. He's going to be patient. He's going to be kind. But you need to change for him. That's what repent means. (laughs) Okay? Now, this is not easy. And, you know, this may even be not uh, publicly acceptable. But it's when it's publicly acceptable to murder babies, when it's publicly acceptable to, to do all these evil things, well then some the Bible hasn't changed. The Word of God will not change. So that's my fourth assumption is that the church has gone underground. And that's what God's telling me to do. He said that there's going to be the above ground church and there's going to be the, the underground church. So like in China, we have already entered into persecution we may not be seeing Christians, you know, burned on the stakes and in the street, but but at the moment, but there's a spiritual persecution. 
And what there has been is there has been a separation. And he said to me, there's going to be above ground churches and underground churches. That doesn't mean that every home church is right and every building is wrong. No, I'm not saying that there's no good churches. What I'm saying is that there has been a separation and God has decided those who are his. He's decided those who are sheep and those who are goats. Remember, homosexuality is a lie. It is a sin. Yes, God loves homosexuals. I don't have a problem. That's why I talked about my friend who who turned 30. The problem I have is with the church. This is I'm talking about the church that doesn't know what a sin is. I'm talking to Christians who think that they're gay when they're not. I'm talking about absolute truth. You can be gay and Christian, but don't but you cannot be gay and kingdom. And I am not saying that as Jonathan, I'm saying that as an ambassador of the kingdom of God, and like any ambassador, I speak the words of my kingdom. Woe is me if I don't tell you the truth. So if you go to a church where they don't know the truth, if you go to a church where there's a form of godliness but they deny the power of it, if you go to a church and they say, oh, look, we're not really quite sure, then run for your life. But if you go to a church that you know loves Jesus, that preaches kingdom, remember the message that Jesus preached, and they display the power of God, they solve problems with the power of God, not with their own mind. It's not, there's no benefit you know, really, in, in raising money and, you know, just doing it in your own strength. Yes, you're, you're always going to be blessed for, for giving money to the poor. But do what God's doing and say what he's saying. So in summary today, guys, number one, only the kingdom of God satisfies. Nothing else will ever satisfy you. Like, don't waste another day. Don't waste another hour. There's nothing in life that will satisfy other than the kingdom of God. Number two, the kingdom is power. Use that power. There is never a prayer that you'll pray that the heavens and won't back you up. See, Jesus said in Matthew 28 that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So before that moment, he didn't have all authority in heaven and on earth. He only had all authority in heaven. But after he came as a man, was he as a man, as a man, as a man, able to take the keys back from the devil? And at that moment, he also had authority on earth. So now he is super powerful. He has all authority in heaven and on earth, and he's given it to you to perform signs and wonders and miracles, to answer people's prayers, to solve problems. So just go around and solve problems today. You will find that as you solve problems, you will become very useful to God and you'll become, you know, popular. <laughs> you know, people are going to want you. They wanted Jesus. The devil hated him. The kingdom of darkness hated him. But people, average people loved him because he solved their problems. So you should have people coming to you for prayer. You should have people coming to you because you solve problems. Number three is that you need to die. You absolutely have to die every day. Get out of the way, all of you, your soul. When Jesus said, deny yourself, that's denying yourself. (laughs) 
Yourself needs to be denied. Yourself needs to be removed from the equation. Yourself is your soul. So you deny your mind, will, and emotions. You deny your thoughts. You deny your emotions. And you deny your will. That's yourself. Yourself. What you want, what you think, what you feel needs to go. That's another really big step. <laughs> but just take it because you're wasting time. And finally, the, the, the church is, is, is off. It really is off. And don't, why, don't think that I'm, you know, uh, not speaking from God because the book of Revelation, every church was off. Every church needed to repent. So I'm just saying to you, there's a, there's a falling away. There's the love of many growing cold. I go to church. I, I run a, my own church. You know, I, I, have, I go and pray with people and, and I have fellowship um, and I'm connected with Christians and pastors and mentors and I'm part of a school. I have apostolic covering, you know, with um, Kevin Zadai. I have apostolic covering uh, with, with, with Joe Schneider, River of Life, World Evangelism. Um, you know, I went to the same church for 23 years. I'm, I was ordained as a minister of religion. Um, you know, I am the church, but, but I, I left my church when I realized that they didn't know what they, they didn't know what they, uh, I, when God said to leave, <laughs> let's put it that way. Um, when, when they wouldn't make a stand for God and for the truth. And I left because you know what? That's dangerous. It's dangerous. Someone said this week that if all of the police were removed, then no one would leave their home because it'd be too dangerous. If there were no police, it would be dangerous to leave their home. And I felt God say to me that he said, that's what the church is like. He said, when the church doesn't know the truth, it is unprotected and it is no longer safe because it doesn't know the truth. The police are gone. The, barrier, the, the protection is gone. Paul said, we must certainly judge those in the church. He said, why do you go to court against each other? Can't you judge amongst yourselves? So when people come to church and, oh, you know, I'm gay and I'm Christian. Oh, yeah, yeah, no worries. You're welcome here. No, you're not welcome here. Sorry. <laughs> This is the church of the living God. Repent, and then you're welcome here. Sorry. Jesus, when he met the woman caught in the act of adultery, he said, Go and sin no more. Yes, he loved her. Yes, he forgave you. He forgave her, but he commanded her not to sin. And he, he said to them, to people often, he said, or something worse will happen to you. What's worse than being stoned to death? <laughs> hell. Clearly, hell. So, you know, I'm saying this with fear and trembling, but it's the truth. These are the four assumptions that you need to know. The kingdom satisfies. Don't waste your time. Don't waste a minute on anything other than the kingdom because nothing will satisfy you other than the pursuit of the kingdom of God and the expansion of his borders. Number two, the kingdom is power. It's the ability to solve problems and every problem you approach is 
going to be solved because the heavens will back you. Every problem will be solved because God will give you the power to do it. And it's only as you go to solve the problem that it happens. It's only as you lay hands on the sick that they recover. You have got to step out. The kingdom is in faith. So it's at the moment that you reach out your hands that that God turns up. Number three is you have to die. You have to be removed from the equation. Do it today. And number four is that there is a separation. There is this great falling away. I'm not saying that all churches that have buildings are bad. I'm just saying to beware of the yeast of the Pharisees. I'm saying to beware of the yeast of Herod and to don't, don't go to a church in these days that doesn't know what the truth is. Thank you so much, guys, for listening. I've been Jonathan. Feel free to send me an email, kingdomdynamicspodcast at gmail.com. I've got a bunch of videos covering the same topic on my YouTube channel, Have a look in the comments because there is a bunch of uh, information in there for you. Thanks so much for listening. God bless you. I've told you about the kingdom of God. So why don't you go and tell others? Amen.